Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph, and this week we're discussing zero tolerance. Chris, something that's often on my mind, and, and I'm sure the nation and our listeners, is what is happening in Lincolnshire. Chris, what's happening in Lincolnshire? Well, there's an example, a particularly um, sort of uh, uh, pointed example, of um, schools enforcing uh, very uh, or zero-tolerance policies on, on, on discipline. So King Edward VI's uh, Academy in, in Spilsby in, in Lincolnshire has has been in the national news um, because of their sort of uh, fairly draconian policies um, on various issues of, of, of discipline. Um, but but this is this is br- br- sort of more broadly symptomatic of a trend in schools at the moment for particularly new academies in perhaps tougher areas to really introduce um, very very. Uh, stringent discipline measures. So, for example, in this in this school, um, a, a girl was suspended for going to the toilet without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, a child was also reprimanded for her shoes being too shiny. Mm. Quite right. So, so not not unshiny. Just not sh- the right amount of shininess. They I were call, too. I call they were total too shiny. bullshit on that. Yeah, that I dare, didn't happen. I dare say. I'm going to say that. Didn't yeah, happen. I, 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 I dare say that's an exaggeration yeah, on the part of the page. But also, anyway, wait, the, hold on, let's hear from Chris. Right, a yeah. lot. A lot of this is based on the complaints of the children. However, however, uh, uh, sorry, the complaints of the of the adults. Um, but there is definitely something going on with with schools um, and. Uh, you know, I've heard lots of um, stories locally because um, my daughter's just started secondary school of children having their pencil cases inspected to check they've got the right um, set square and all that kind of stuff. And um, and the um, punitive measures are, are you know, um, punishments are handed out for these things not being, um, you know, not being sort of 100% correct. Right. So, um, so, yeah, there's a there's a a trend of zero tolerance policies in, in schools. So it's a thing. Um, why are we interested in this? Well, um, it, it's got me started thinking about the idea of um, rules, uh, imposition of punishment, and whether zero, polar, uh, uh, zero tolerance is actually a, uh, an effective way of getting people to conform or um, meet the requirements in a school you know does it does it facilitate the better delivery of education um yeah so that that was it really it was it was a a yeah. question of do harsh rules work okay nick lift us off um what what, what what how do we want to frame this well i suppose it's the universal question of how do you get people who include children children are people too how do you get them to behave better that now, if we knew the answer to that, you might think we would be living in some kind of utopia. Mm. Um, but it might be that actually the the dystopian aspects of modern life are attempts to cope with or solve the problem of bad behaviour in some respect. Um, but the 
I first of all, I've got some questions about this school. <clears throat> My son is also at a school which is pretty strict, but it doesn't mm. sound particularly, you know, more uh, worse than the school I went to, for example. I was always getting in trouble, mainly for being cheeky. Uh, I'm, so from a user perspective, I'm not a fan of strict rules. But as a parent, I am. Because, you know, <laughs> my instinct is, well, you've got to fix behavior or you can't get anything else done. Right. So it feels like if you're a school, if the kids are behaving badly, forget about how you're teaching them. They're not going to be listening. They're going to be fighting each other, um, sticking uh, compasses in each other's legs and so on and so forth. So so, it, you know, it feels like a universal problem. This is this is merely an example. Um I do want to know more about the girl who was suspended for going to the toilet without permission because why didn't she just ask for permission? She had a medical toilet pass. What apparently. is that? It's a it's I, a big thing in secondary schools having this sort of thing. And a toilet pass. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what so the idea is because people, uh, kids, all the time are going, oh, I need to go to the loo, please. Um, and the teacher says, no, you can't. And you can't just let them go willy nilly. And so no, a lot of schools, in, yeah. <laughs> Because schools instituted this toilet pass system. Yeah. However, this sort of runs into various issues, which is some people have medical conditions, which means that, you know, they do need to go to the loo. Right. But it is the idea that she wasn't given permission when she asked. I, I don't know. Because not... if she had a toilet pass, then she had permission. But then this sometimes... This just raises a lot of questions that aren't answered by the article. But anyway... I agree. I su- we should probably move But there's away abuse from of that. toilet passes as well. I'm, I suppose I'm questioning the veracity of the story. I yeah. feel like this is a bunch of parents who've got their knickers in a twist and, mm. and may well just have worked themselves up over something, actually, which is, which is perfectly mundane. But anyway, I think the, so the idea is how do we motivate people? And, you know, there's a lot of, um, in order to change their behaviour, uh, there's a lot of debate, way more debate and opinion than there is evidence, yeah. right? And uh, essentially, there is this question of should we be rewarding good behavior and encouraging people uh, to, to behave by giving them some kind of reward for, for that? Or should we be discouraging bad behavior by punishing people? And um, which, which of those is more effective, if not some combination of the two? In other words, uh, carrot or stick? Yeah, that's exactly. The, that's that's sort of where we're the going. The aid old stick so, versus carrot. We'll so, both. Um, when you think of, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a detour here. When you think of the stick, what do you think of? Uh, a sort of a brown long thing. Yeah, but you used for where's the metaphor? For an animals for a an donkey animal and a yeah. donkey. And yeah. when you think of the carrot, what are you thinking? Same. Nah, but what's happening with the carrot? You're not it's dangling in front of it. It's dangling in front of it, attached to another yeah. stick, not the same stick that you're using. Yeah, different use it. of a stick. Right, apparently this never, ever happened. <laughs> and apparently this doesn't work on donkeys, right? Uh, donkeys aren't stupid. And if they move towards the, the carrot and it keeps moving away, they, then they, stop, they lose interest. Um, the in, So the interesting thing is it, this metaphor of carrots and sticks was um, only recorded in 1876 for the first time, and then again in 1938, which suggests it lived somewhere in the periphery, this metaphor of the two fundamental types of of punishment. Um, And then it really took off in the 40s when The Economist used it a couple of times. Um, But it has apparently, uh, it's very universal all over over, uh, Europe. Certainly the Italians say bastone e carota, the French say de la carotte et du baton. Um, the Germans say mit Zuckerbrot und Peitsche, which apparently means sweet bread and whip. So, look, it's a universal kind of idea of this, you know, that essentially motivation comes down to two things. 
punishment and, and reward, right? So what kinds of rewards and punishments do we have at our disposal and and how do we deploy them most effectively? I think is the, the question we want to ask. Um, often you see people talk about um, sort of praise and blame uh, as as sort of, a kind of I, I suppose, a sort of verbal um, kind of reward and punishment. But um, b so, I mean, there's a question of whether those are actually opposites of each other, because I'm not sure they are. Um, there's the question of what actually we mean by a reward or a punishment. Um, and, uh, you know, what other kinds of coercion are available? Like, you know, is it is it if applying a negative stimulus, is that the same as removing a positive stimulus and so on and so forth. Um, so there's a whole bunch of questions we need to answer here. When we're, you know, blaming people, criticising people, what kind of a judgment are we making? Um, and, and then, you know, once we've sorted out the, the theoretical questions, what works? Is there any evidence about what works? Yeah. I mean, the answer, I have to tell you, is not a great deal. Right. Look, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. What about? Feeling a bit panicky. Because right. I think so far, the way we've framed this and what we've said so far, we spent 10 minutes talking and all we've said is um, what's the better way to motivate people, punishment or encouragement, right? Um, and hey, maybe the answer is it depends on the context, depends on the individual, if it's an individual we were talking about. And the answer could be anywhere between punishment is better or encouragement is better or hey, guess what? A little bit of both is better. And by the way, let me delight you by saying it, it depends what your intentions are, what do you want your outcome to be, one, and two, how do we measure it, right? How mm. do you measure that? Yes, but, bad but, behaviour in schools, by the way, there just isn't really any data about that, right? for example. So, so that's, I mean, you can look at crime. Yeah. But, yeah. And, but, but other, that, how, how do you we, separate other factors out? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the problem with, with, you know, the kind of law we have in Britain is it's entirely punishment-based. It'd be interesting to ask the question of to, to do some experiments where people got rewarded for being good, but that doesn't really happen. We merely punish people for yeah. being bad. So we yeah. don't, so so just to put that out there, there is a big data problem here. So we we're gonna be relying on sort of anecdotes and studies and academic little academic studies. Um, but I think yeah, I think that we need to we probably we do need to think a bit more about what actually we mean by, you know, by sort of a punishment. What is it? Yeah. Chris. Well, I was also going to say, I think there's there's also another element going on with uh, this type of zero tolerance policy, which is um, about the attempt to psychologically break down the people you want to be compliant. So it's not just about saying, if you do this, this thing will happen, and then you make some rational judgment about... Um, okay, well, you know, the risk to me is this, so I'll probably avoid doing that, you know, because I don't gain that much by doing the behaviour. There's That's part of punishment, but I think particularly in this case, there's an element of um, of a, a sort of a, a, an attempt to dis almost destroy the resilience of the individuals mm. so that they are compliant holistically. So you sort of fight hard on... It's like the idea of, um, you know, military discipline and the drill sergeant of you you break the individuals down so that they then will just do what you tell them so it's not on an individual by individual basis it's holistically can we sort of break these people down almost also a little bit like um cults and new religious movements and the idea of you know brainwashing indoctrination 
if you control that environment sufficiently um, and you build up that dependence on on following rules in you know um, just universally will you make those individuals generally compliant and and I think that's whether that's a valid approach or not whether it works or not whether it's okay to do that or not I think there is a drive you talked a little bit about well these people they come from environments you know some some of these children come from environments where they don't have lots of rules and the school is the place where you've got to go you've almost got to really concentrate the rules and you know so I think that's also an aspect as well as just on this case, how do you get them to stop smoking in the toilets or whatever? Well, let's try and frame this with a couple of examples. And so a similar one, if you look, ever look at you know films and um, series about army training, right, is you know, famously the army, I would say, for the most part, goes with a sort of a, a stick approach. Okay, And it is, as you say, uh, Chris, that sort of collectively let's reset everyone just to get everyone to the same sort of place in terms of what's acceptable. Um, and I suspect the, the army policy would be, look, stick works, we've been doing it for a long while. But once you've kind of reset it a little bit, you do start offering a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of one context. And, and I think just, just very briefly on that, um, that has shi- that's the stereotype that's still in everybody's consciousness. But I think that has shifted. You know, in the UK, we had the deep cut barracks sort of um, investigation of, you know, kind of hazing harsh military training and the impact on people so i think even that even in that environment now it's much more touchy much more sort of supportive than one might expect yeah i mean there's there's definitely it's definitely the case that blaming people and punish punishing people is not cool anymore Mm. right which might be i think partly what's driving people's reaction to to things like this school um there is this kind of idea that we should be um, praising people for the things they do and not for the people they are. That's another one of, of the sort of recent ideas. So you should say to someone, oh, you made a really good effort, not, oh, you're very clever or you're very talented and so on. So, they're, they're, I mean, these things come and go, don't they? Trends mm. in, in what, in kind of, uh, you know, which you'd think would be driven by evidence. And in some cases, it seems like they are. Um but, but yeah, I mean, it feels to me like uh, the stick approach has become very uncool recently. And, uh, and I suspect things like this school and my son's school and so on are probably, in, to some extent, a, a backlash against what people see as education having gone totally soft mm. over the last sort of 20 or 30 years. Um, Whilst you're thinking, just to give another example, something uh, I know as a sports lover yourself, uh, Nick, especially football, is it's a bit of a sort of hackneyed phrase you hear often on Match of the Day and so on when they're talking about management styles. And they say, oh, the thing about he's, this manager, he's a great man manager because he knows when to, you know, when to sort of uh, the, which players you need to sort of lay down the law a bit and that will sort of spur them on and which players you need to put your arm around them a well, bit. Well, and, and also and, the know. idea of the hairdryer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody just shouting in your face at, at, at half time. Yeah. But, yeah. Got results. Most successful uh, British football manager of all time. Um, a very shouty man. Yeah. Very Who? shouty. Brian Clough. Uh, no, nice, nice. Ron good Atkinson. Effort, no. Uh, you're close I'm in. You're, out you're sort of close in Ron, Ron Atkinson. It's Alex Ferguson. Never Alex, heard no. of him. Yeah. Um, uh, keep look, going. Basically, this is about social manipulation. I think we are. I'm about to start talking about economics. Not really. Brilliant. I'm going to use economic language be to economic frame enough the question, which is about. Um, so you're, you're presumably people are behaving badly because it, they perceive a benefit to them from doing so. 
Um, if your shoes, I, I don't, I, I don't want to talk about the shoes being too shiny because it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But um, you know, take going to the toilet. You know, presumably when people are going to the toilet to bunk off, that's because they they're a bit fed up and they want a break or something. There's some benefit to them. And the idea is that, you know, as long as you can make their chance of being caught times whatever punishment they receive um, outweigh that benefit, then they just will stop doing it, right? That's the, that's the theory, obviously. Um, or alternatively, to put your thumb on the other end of the scale, that you're uh, giving them a reward for not going to the toilet in some way, which, um, again, is... Uh, is enough to offset whatever benefit they get from doing it. That's the theory that really underpins everything right here, and that's the th that's what underpins uh, everything in you know about the way the kinds of sentences we give to different criminals and so on. The idea is that you know we're trying to gauge it so that the so that the amount of punishment um, offsets the uh, you know offsets the benefit of doing the crime. That that's that's the gist of it. Um, Chris has described this school as zero tolerance. I don't I don't think we talked about what that means. Mm. Uh, my understanding of zero tolerance is that you um, it, the the phrase the origin of the phrase is is from the the whole kind of um, uh, the 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 idea that you don't give someone a kind of warning and you don't let them off a few times and you don't kind of inculcate some idea of immunity in them. You go straight for the punishment on turn one. Um, uh, but but I mean I, I I don't think it's terribly well defined. Is it the idea of? I mean, what does it mean? And is it true that this school is is doing zero tolerance? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's that that sense of um, you apply you apply the rule you apply quite harsh rules uh, uh, immediately um, without consideration of context mm. as well. That it's just mm. their university applied. It's viewed, you know. Um, and what one, one of the things I was just gonna gonna briefly mention is the the phrase um, draconian. Um, obviously, based on the um, the Athenian leader uh, or lawgiver um, Draco or Dracon, um, and uh, some of the rules. That the, uh, now it's not actually clear. Again, it could be one of these um, a, a historical case of um, slightly, you know, false news to some extent because there's there's not a great historical record about what the Draconian. Uh, laws were, um, but Plutarch says your about your shoes them, mustn't be too shiny. Your, your shoes mustn't yeah. be, be be too shiny. Um, but I think they're a great example of um, of the idea of zero tolerance, and, and and this is what Plutarch says about them. He says, um, uh, "Death was the punishment for almost every offence, so that even men convicted of idleness were executed, and those who stole pot herbs and fruits suffered just like sacrilegious robbers or murderers." Mm. Um, so this idea of a sort of one-size-fits-all, brutalistic, uh, a, a immediately applied without, uh, you know, consideration of um, nuance. I mean, really. the, the, the benefit of that is it's simple to understand, right? Mm. Um, the downside is it'd be a bit harsh, but also if what if, what if there's a misjudgment? What if there's a, you know... Yeah. Yeah, uh, but forget about that because, yeah, yes, on. you're right... You're right. You know, you've got to worry about what happens if it goes wrong. That's that is something to think about. But do you think if we had if if we had the death penalty mm. for, you know, parking but on a double yellow line, yeah, do you yeah. think more people would do it or fewer? 
Uh, I would imagine fewer would do it. Fewer would do it. Yeah. So it works, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, I think the point is what we've said, that mm. this whole idea of it cannot but work. Punishment and reward cannot but work, right? Um, and, and so the question is, how do we design it so that it's optimal? Now, if we, if we really wanted to have, you know, completely um or, or to have like let's say the best behavior however that's defined what it is you're trying to do to to kids to you know get them to behave or grown-ups with the law um you know if we just had the, the harshest you get suspended for having shoes that are too shiny or, or whatever the harshest punishment is that a school can can give i don't know suspension doesn't seem that harsh to me especially if you don't want to be at school in the first place but anyway the point is that if you bring go back straight, corporal punishment says yeah Nick. well yeah. well i'll talk about that in a minute there's some interesting data on that but the uh so i mean why don't we just do that mm. why don't we just have uh zero like proper zero tolerance where anytime you step out of line you're at so, so what are the arguments yeah. against so this that? comes because I feel like the burden of proof is on the people who don't think we should be doing that to say why we shouldn't be. Sure. Like, because that is, if you want good behaviour, then then go nuclear on bad behaviour. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Yeah, exactly. So it, it depends on what you want your outcomes to be, right? Because let's say you think that the top priority, maybe the only priority, is that you have fantastic discipline in your schools, mm. yeah? And you could sort of in, have, um, you know, execution if you, for, similar to you were saying with the parking, for whatever mm. offence, being late, being scruffy, um, not turning your homework in on time, you name it, execution, right? Mm. You would have fantastic discipline yeah. in your class. You're absolutely right, that's an outcome. And if that's your desired outcome, brilliant. However, you would also have some other things like nervous wrecks, suicides, um, and um, and automatons producing etc etc. But what? Okay. Why, but and, why, and well, why do we think that having zero tolerance on bad behaviour is the same as clamping down on creativity? Because people. Well, let's always, just hold like, on. You don't have to turn because you, of the risk. Let's say. So let's right, say what, one punishment. So let's say one punishment is execution, as we've said. If your homework is not to standard. Yeah. Okay. Well. And okay. let's say you come up with a for your art homework. It has homework. to be in your in your power to to do the thing that you're you know well, so there's no point in punishing people for doing things they can't control so it's, it's got to be otherwise it won't have any I mean, well, this arbitrary. is where i think it's difficult to define so let's say in your well, art in your artwork you make um some sort of satirical um art piece that's criticizing the school's yeah. school discipline record of executing people okay yeah. uh, that would probably be frowned upon and you might get executed well, for no, it only, so therefore only let, me finish, the let me finish 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 okay so let's say the rules do say that right so so therefore um no if the rules say you are not allowed to insult the school okay um, then you can see why that would be um, a, a, a stop yeah, on creativity. You're disagreeing yeah. with the rule. Uh, yeah. You're uh, disagreeing so with the rule here. You're saying we shouldn't have a rule where you're not allowed to criticise the school. Fine, I agree with that. But you're you're not talking about what we're talking about here is how you enforce that. Ah, uh, yeah. But I so I think there is there is a link in the sense that um, there are there are two there are two things around the rules which relate to the punishment. So if the if the punishment is absolute and extreme. So you get rid of the, the child out of the school or you execute somebody yeah. or whatever it might be. It's something irreversible. Um, if the rule subsequently... So, you know, so the school set the rules and not everybody might agree with those rules, right? So they're the rules of the school, but you might have a sense of like, well, who... Are these the right rules? So there might be some... 
um, debate about the right rules, subsequently you might change some of those rules. So I, I don't know, take um, uh, you know, the rules on homosexuality, right? So you, let's say they'd executed people for that, and then a year later uh, it's no longer a crime, that becomes prob problematic. So if you have zero tolerance and the punishments are extreme, it's much more difficult to alter and manipulate the, the rules because you've severely censured people. Um, you've given less manoeuvre for, um, for flexibility. Having, for and accepting for, that you might have messed up the rules in the first place. Yeah. You might have come up with the wrong rules. And just to support you for a moment, Nick, actually, I think what's interesting is if you take two examples, because if we think of tr traditionally quite strict environments, if we take two, let's say the British public school system, which basically means private schools, um, and how they traditionally were, um, if we take that as an example, but also dictatorships, and let's take Brazil as an example, which had a dictatorship, actually you, it can foster, those really strict rules can really foster um, creativity, because you're forced to be that extra little bit creative. It's good and for them, really. It's good, really. Yeah. Right? But what happens, and, and, and so I've seen this a lot, so you do end up with like British public schools, very damaged individuals who are emotionally, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stunted. Stunted. But you also get people like um, Monty Python, right? You get mm. British satire because you're forced into that sort of avenue. Similar in, in Brazil, where during that period in the 60s and 70s in particular, you get sort of really creative um, um, musical movements, which are a response to that sort of um, that sort of harsh dictatorship and those rules. So I don't know what my point is, other than that it's weird. In, in one sense, it stifles creativity, and no, um, I, I think you're getting you're muddling up. Yeah, go on. I think I probably how am. we go enforce on. stuff and what we're enforcing. So let's like, talk you could about have a liberal democracy. You could take Britain now. You could say right, freedom of speech, no laws about what you're allowed to do sexually. You can do anything you like as long as it just doesn't harm other people. But if you deliberately tread on someone's toe, you get shot. Mm. Right? That's you. That you. It's a very liberal kind of country. The only real thing you can't do is harm other people. Um, but the punishments are super harsh. There's no contradiction there at all, right? So the question mm. is why we don't do that. You know, what you're saying is Go the problem on. is if you're a dictatorship, you're doing two... Dictators mainly are there to try and keep themselves in power. And that's their main concern, right, is to, is, to, is to stay in power. So a lot of the laws, what you are and aren't allowed to do, are geared around not being able to complain about or take steps to remove yep. the dictator, well, that's you know, that that's they're probably bad. Well, it should should they be the law? No, that's I, nothing to do with how the laws are enforced. What we're saying I is, that, is that gotcha. is that laws which are designed to support a cult of personality are bad. Well, I agree with that. Mm, what yeah. we haven't done is work out why it's wrong to. Okay, so if a school, you know, if you hand your homework in late, you get suspended, zero tolerance in some sense. Why is that bad? Well, and what I think what I'm saying is take the treading on toes example. Um, if if you execute people for treading on toes uh, and then you decide that's not the right thing to do, you've executed a bunch of people for something that you've subsequently decided yeah. isn't the right thing to do. Also, it because the punish because the risk is so great, it might drive extreme and unintended consequences like nobody goes outside because they're so terrified of treading on one another's toes so even though the risk of doing the thing might be quite like like, like i might accidentally tread on someone's yeah toe. so I'm you're talking about okay so that's one reason is the risk of wrongly convicting someone 
the, is, risk of, the risk of wrongly convicting someone is much higher if the punishment is higher, whether it's death or not. Yeah. You know, you, you've got, you just, by definition, if you're applying a bigger punishment, then you're, you're imposing a bigger risk of, because, you know, the cost is greater. Yeah. Hmm. But also, also, there is a chance of any crime that you might, um, you might commit it without intent, right? That you might accidentally well, commit the crime, which I suppose is <coughs> similar to being wrongly convicted of it. But, but um, if the rule were about treading on toes, whatever the circumstances... Again, um, I think well, then you're, what you're saying is that uh, that shouldn't be the law. The law should be that we shouldn't intentionally try to Right, but, but what I'm saying is there, the law setters, there's a fallibility there in setting the laws. And if you therefore really extremely police the laws, then there's no room for that, for that fallibility because you, you're, um, you know, you're getting rid of all the people who, who um, commit crimes against those, those laws that you subsequently might... Um, rescind listen i'm slightly lost as to where we are yeah, but but listen nonetheless I've got, to, I've got some evidence about what works great once you've done that we do need to kind of sum up yeah. whatever it is and then i've got a question or two um i don't think i don't think we've got anywhere no. i don't think we have got anywhere but nonetheless um i think it's surprisingly tricky actually well i, I mean i think it just reflects the fact that we don't really have a have a, a any real insight into into what works and also that the one thing we haven't discussed is it might nothing might work there are some people who just cannot be whose behavior can't be changed because we've not we've not talked about individuals really right because actually in much what like we've talked about before in terms of happiness people are generally on a scale of one to ten um it's i think it's the same with um obedience let's say um adherence to rules which is different individuals are sensitive you know, on, yeah. in a different on a different scale. Paul, yeah. Chris, you're never going to get him to do. Actually, Chris is quite difficult. I think you 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 know you bust up against rules and so on. You're quite. He's, he's a naughty man. Um, he is a naughty man. Chris yeah. is about to say something, then Nick. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that that idea of um, individual variance in terms of rule following. Uh, that you know there is there is sort of evidence around that. I was uh, there's there's a um, there was a study done at the University of Ulm by um, neuroscientists where they were they were sort of uh, taking MRI scans of individuals um, involved in a, in a sort of study, uh, uh, um, an exercise thought experiment, which was about um, splitting the money between. So it's about it was looking at social norm compliance and, and do people adhere to social norms uh, with and without punishment as being a, a sort of factor in, in their, their decision making. So the, the, the experiment looked at, um, uh, at the subject being asked to split money with a, um, another individual. Um, and so they were given this sum of money and they had to decide how much of it to share or whether to share, share it all. And when there, was, um, when there was the risk of a punishment in there, uh, they found if you didn't share, if you didn't follow the social norm, um, they found that people uh, shared more. So, you know, that's to Nick's point that actually punishments do drive social social compliance. Um, but there was large individual variance. So some mm. people shared regardless. Some people shared not at all, where there was no risk of punishment and um, uh, much more so when there, there was risk of punishment. And um, they equated this to um, the sort of characteristic they framed 
uh, Machiavellianism, mm-hmm. um, but essentially sort of selfishness and and um, opportunism. And um, but they were also scanning the brain at the, at the time. They they realised there were there were different um, two different areas in in play of the brain. Um, the orbitofrontal cortex was was very active when people were considering the threat aspect of um, <coughs> the calculation, and the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex um, was very active when people were thinking about the greed and the sharing element, and that particularly the suppression of the greed the greed urge. Mm. Um, and they found that the the area. Um, used for considering threat was much more active in the Machiavellian individual. So somebody who is more self-interested, is the suggestion from the study, um, is more concerned about whether punishment is present or not Mm -hmm. than somebody else who is operating, than the the person who shares it, you know, in in either circumstance. Which, you you know, which makes instinctive sense. But what it suggests is that perhaps punishment you need punishment for some people but you don't for others or it has a greater effect on some people yeah, than there others. we go also feels like we're getting into a little bit of game theory there or or prisoners dolly or something i don't know but um which i'd been missing that for a while um nick so you said you've got some evidence yeah, did you say just briefly to cover off why go this on. is so hard to get yeah. to pull out from evidence is um uh i mean first of all lack of data like you don't really we don't have data on punishment interactions in schools we don't have data on you know who who gets rewarded or praised or really how their behavior changes um you have to do studies into that you can't just look at the data uh there are selection effects in a lot of environments like people generally choose environments which suit them right so you might go you oh uh you know the army they're quite authoritarian and lo and behold the people in the army are are kind of tend to be more authoritarian but that's because people with those kinds of personalities are more likely to join a rigid Yep. sort of more structured environment yep. um you have the problem of um of separating cause from effect so you know you've got uh you might you will find for example that people who are punished more harshly in school are more likely to misbehave as adults uh but of course that's because they were misbehaving as children and more likely to get punished so it's very hard to see what seems to affect what and how much is just you know inherent and how much is actually uh you know you don't have a counterfactual that said what can we infer from things well i think we've touched on this but it is true that harsher punishments reduce crime right so in in general and all other things being equal and if you look at you know sort of percentage of criminals convicted severity of punishment you link that to um you know the the crime rates you get quite a good model Mm. um you know you look at the the uk the peak of crime in the uk was sort of the mid 90s um and that is when the government started imposing tougher sentences there's i have to say that's not uncontroversial there's lots of people who disagree with that and actually think it's more there's there's other trends going on which explain it better but uh by and large you know it's pretty uncontroversial that all things being equal, harsher punishments equal less crime. And one would assume it's the same on a micro level in schools. Um, however, types of punishment, and I think we've touched on this as well, but it, it there is quite a lot of evidence that corporal punishment is bad. Mm. It is more likely to make someone uh, aggressive, more is linked to delinquency, it's linked to domestic violence. And they've they've you know they've tried to do studies where they've separate they've tried to separate this from the f- problem that violent people are more likely to get 
get caught, given corporal punishment. So, for example, if kids are watch, watch someone getting physically punished, they're more likely to be aggressive in the way that they play with each other and so on. Um, so it seems to promote aggression and, and violence, uh, corporal punishment. So it's probably a good thing we don't do that anymore in most countries. And it's been declining over the last 50 years everywhere in the world. Um, there's a famous story, I'll mention this because it's important to bear this in mind, but um, uh, Kahneman and Saversky have this story. It's not actually really attested. I don't think there's uh, this exists as a study, but that um, there is, and this really raises another methodological problem, uh, that when you're praising and blaming people and seeing what effects it has on behaviour, um, they used the example of, uh, of, of pilot training and whether they made a good landing or a bad landing and whether they were praised or blamed. And it seemed that after they were given praise, they were worse. And after they were given uh, blame and uh, criticised, then they were better. But they say, well, the problem is there you've got regression to the mean. So if someone does a really good landing and gets praised, they're simply statistically more likely to not do as good a landing next time. And similarly, someone who does a very bad landing is more likely to do a good, purely statistically, Purely randomly, yeah? So if I, if I praised you every time you rolled a six on the die mm. and then I, I criticised you every time you rolled a one, mm. it would look like every time I praised you, your the dice roll numbers got lower, right? That's all they're saying. Mm. Um, so uh, this whole issue about how people... There seems to be some evidence of gender differences. So um, uh, females are more likely to attribute, when they're criticised, they're more likely to attribute it to a lack of ability rather than a lack of effort. Um, so then more negatively influenced by um, you know praise and blame if it looks if it appears to imply that they have reduced autonomy uh, whereas that didn't seem to be an effect with boys but um, yeah I mean on a micro level I don't think we're any further forward I don't think we know what packages of interventions really work there is a, a ton more opinion than there is data so I think the jury's out I think we just have to keep trying things out mm. you know well, look, it's great. We've all got more than one kid, yeah. yeah. So we can just do in our own houses, it's too do an late. experiment. Mine are already well. Mine are now going to separate secondary schools. I don't even have any anecdotal evidence. I mean, my secondary, my first secondary school was quite, uh, you know, traditional uh, boys' private school. Um, you know, a lot more emphasis on kind of discipline, I suppose. Um, my sixth form was really let it all hang out. Yeah. And, um, you know, was was very liberal, didn't really have much interest in how you were behaving uh, around the place. And yet everyone still more or less behaved themselves. There was it wasn't like people were being naughty in sixth form. I, I, I don't know. It could. It's a whole bunch of things, different demographics, uh, you know, different ages. The fact that people have chosen to be in one place, and not necessarily the other. Uh, you know, I think that highlights in microcosm all of the problems that we have when we're trying to think about this. So, yeah, I'm afraid we don't have the answers. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's surprisingly complex. And I think we've asked a lot of questions without necessarily sort of getting all the answers we want. But that's exactly as it should be, should be right? Um, I think, right? Yeah. We, we've run out of time. We're going to have to draw it to a close. And so um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Chris Rag and Nick Hale of Aleph. Until next time. Goodbye.